1: The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com.
2: The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight. Expertise. Top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the off the hook sports app download now for free also available on off the hook
4: i compute and obey
2: now to dave
4: hooker ready all right here we go we've got a ton to get to on a very busy program today it is wednesday jimmy himes will join us in just a matter of seconds also It is class time at Tennessee. So who benefits the most from being an early enrollee? We'll discuss that with Jimmy a little bit later in the program. Danny White responds to a fan on Twitter, which seems strange to me. We'll get some insight from Jimmy as to Danny White. Is he too sensitive? Uh, And why the Vols could make their first Final Four. Jimmy Himes wrote that on OffTheHookSports.com. It is there, so certainly check it out. Ohio State spends 10 million dollars on incoming players in NIL not the retaining of other players which I'm sure they had to do those numbers are bigger than I had been led to believe so we'll dive into that and then apparently I was tampering uh, they they reached out to Alabama offensive lineman Caden Proctor during the season that's a no-no but the NCAA has no teeth so what does it really matter and then Todd Helton Pretty awesome, makes the college, I'm sorry, makes the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, I was there when Todd Helton was starring at Tennessee. I also uh, was one of the kids that played at Levi Field in North Knoxville instead of Inskip. Caleb, just so you know, the average athletes played at Levi. The good ones like Bubba Trammell and Todd Helton played at Inskip. So we kind of played baseball together when we would have some sort of crossover. Uh, but I'll say my favorite story about Todd Elton is on senior trip when he got drafted by his first team, which I believe was the Padres. Let's go ahead and bring Jimmy Himes in here. Jimmy, I was already reporting way back then uh, as an 18 year old, perhaps with an adult beverage in my hand on senior trip right outside the room. When Todd, amongst the party, everybody had to be quiet. Everybody had to be quiet. And Todd gets the call from the Padres, I believe. Is that right? Is that who he first got drafted by? I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the
5: Padres, and it was in the second round, I think. Yeah. Caleb, how are you, sir?
4: I forgot to say hello.
0: I'm good. He always, dude, Jimmy, he always forgets me when you're on. He just gets so starstruck <laughs> when you're here. He's just, you know. It's just I don't
4: do it most days. Jimmy intimidates me. That's what it is. You know, the um, intriguing
0: – the intriguing thing about Todd Helton is um cuz you talked about Penny yesterday with Powell High. Todd Helton and Penny were in the same and Penny Hardaway were in the same graduating class. Talk about like the state mm-hmm. of Tennessee, Knoxville producing a baseball Hall of Famer and baske- and Memphis producing what would have been a basketball Hall of Famer had he not gotten hurt <clears throat> in the
4: same year. Some, yeah, and me from Powell High School. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. So <laughs>
5: couldn't play it in skip, but uh, hey, you were a Hall of Famer.
4: No, 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 absolutely right. I've got buddies who are still in North Knoxville to this day who will say, I don't remember seeing you at Inskip. Uh, No, I was not a great athlete. How about that? Um, Let's go ahead and get rolling here. Who benefits the most from being an early enrollee? Hit that like and subscribe button. Let's do it right now. It is today's tough question, and it's brought to you by our good friend, Andy Mason. Andy Mason, Realestate.com. Today's tough question is now.
2: Today's tough question. Take a side.
4: Take a stand.
2: The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook All
4: right. So we've got kind of an unofficial list. They're still waiting on some guys to sign some uh, official um, financial aid letters, but we can go ahead and dive into the list that I feel really confident in. And I want to start with uh, Jimmy. Um, Jim, you've, you've got the list, and I'm going to run through it quickly in part, as far as transfers. Lance Hurd, uh, Miles uh, Kitzelman, Holden Stage, Jalen McMurray, Gerard McCoy, uh, Jackson Moy, uh, Jacoby Thomas, Eli Purcell, Jamal Wallace, and then the recruits, Mike Matthews, Blue Jake Merklinger, Braylon Staley, Peyton Lewis, Max Anderson, Caleb Beasley, Kellen Lindstrom. William Satterfield, Edwin Spillman, Gage Ginther, uh, Idris Faruk, uh Marquise Gordy Jr., Jesse Perry, and we mentioned the transfers. So, it's William you know,
0: Satterwhite, by the way, Dave. You're a are of Satterfield. Oh, love for Satterfield.
4: Sorry. Just I, I love just Satterfield. Kidding. William Satterwhite, excuse me. All right, so, uh, Jim, out of that group, first of all, I can remember back in the day, about the time that you and I started working together, where if you got one or two midterm enrollees, that was a big deal, right? And now it seems like everybody is uh, coming in. What, What do you make of it and how helpful is it to a program that's able to bring these guys in in December or January?
5: I think it's really helpful. And it's helpful not only from the football perspective, but it's also just helpful to get acclimated to the college life. Uh, to, to get your classes started, to get into the right dorm, to just kind of feel comfortable on campus. And I think one reason we're seeing more and more of that is because these freshmen know that they have a chance to play right away. And so they want to go ahead and get their career started. Most people now aren't thinking about finishing out high school and playing on the baseball team in the spring. They're thinking about the future. They're thinking about the NFL. They're thinking, of, in, a, in my opinion, in a business manner. And so I think that's why they want to get a jump start on college so that they could get a jump start on perhaps becoming a professional.
4: Now, Caleb, I, I agree. And when you look at this list of guys, I mean it's it's way different from stepping in in June or July and being expected to pop pads in August.
0: Yeah, and also as young guys, when you're really just developing in the program your first year, kind of like a sponge for information, but you may or may not play, it's also a good chance to get ahead on classes, too. I mean, we've talked about, I think we've all talked about how, look, there is still, there among, amidst NIL, there is still the guaranteed scholarship that is a huge benefit for a college athlete who's not going to the NFL. And mm-hmm. it's very hard to be able to get the courses squeezed in that you want if you are serious about your academic career in season. So being an early enrollee, that's an extra semester to really get ahead of the curve to try to particularly knockout electives we all remember in college where you had to take all those electives you hated your first two years um before you could get into your major and so
4: this is a good time to do that all right well let's go ahead and start and what i'm going to do is on our youtube page i'm going to start a poll based off of who jimmy picks who caleb picks and who i pick so uh, jimmy let me start with you give me two three four guys that you think can benefit the most and then you're one guy that you would point to and say that is the guy that needs spring practice and is a midterm enrollee and will have an impact because of that.
5: I'm going to start with the five-star wide receiver, Mike Matthews. I think he's a guy that can come in and play right away. Uh, we saw in the, uh, I guess it was a Polynesian bowl where he was MVP. Uh, I, and this offense, it's not extraordinarily complex with the routes and all this stuff, but they do a lot of reading. So you've got to be able to read defenses. You've got to be on the same page with your quarterback. And I think Matthews coming in early gives him a chance because I do think there's an opening at wide receiver for somebody to come in and start. I'm going to expect that Boo Carter begins his career in the secondary. I don't know that for sure, but I think that's probably where he'll be. Their opening is in the secondary. So I think coming in early gives him an opportunity to play a lot. I don't know about starting, but to at least play a lot. I would, I would also look and look. There's so many people to choose from on that list. Yes. I would, I would go with. Um, I'm going to say the tight end um, stays from Notre Dame. Uh, Tennessee needs help at the tight end position because they lost two good ones. And the tight end position uh, at Tennessee, it, it's tight end position in general is hard to play. You got to be able to block. You got to be able to catch. And then you play some H back. So I, I think that stays coming in early will help him as far as adjusting to a position of need and adjusting to a position that I think is hard to play.
4: All right, let's go with you, Caleb. Uh, who do you think? If you had to pick a couple and then you're one, uh, I'm going to take one of Jimmy's. He mentioned Boo Carter. So I'm going to go ahead and take that one. I've got Mac, Mike Matthews on the board. Uh, who else in terms of midterm enrollees will benefit the most from spring camp heading into the 2024 season today's tough question brought to you by andy mason andy mason realestate.com and andy mason has the best service best prices in the biz over 40 years right there in knoxville can't beat that caleb what do you got for me buddy
0: Just so y'all know, on our listener, to our listeners, I was supposed to go second, but then when Dave heard Jimmy mention Boo Carter, he decided to go second so he could mention Boo (laughs) Carter to make sure I couldn't mention Boo Carter because I was going to mention Boo Carter.
4: Okay. Yeah. I've been told, and Caleb and I have talked about it. Now, recruiting promises are just that, but that he's been pretty much promised a great shot. At starting at strong safety, so I know recruiting talks, recruiting talk, but that's why I picked boo. Sorry to take
5: that. All right, it, it sounds it, like Dave's it,
0: promises are just that too. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, so I actually am going to, and this is on the fly. This is me, Peyton Manning style, audibly at the line of scrimmage with five seconds left on the play clock. Um, I'm home. yes, exactly. <laughs> this is I was a jazz pianist in high school, all state, so I can improv pretty good. Um, but not to, by cry, the way, let's but, ask
4: Peyton Manning, what we think, uh, what he thinks of, uh, stealing the Omaha that we just did. They're like, that is total bullshit. Oh,
1: Whoa.
0: So all, but actually in all seriousness, one guy that did just come to my mind was Peyton Lewis and mm-hmm. with Jalen Wright gone, I believe Jabari small is gone too, right? He's yes. not coming back. and, right. and, I know everybody's talking about Dylan Sampson, but there's two issues. One, we don't know if Dylan Sampson can be a feature back or if he's more of just an all-purpose back to gain a lot of yards. And two, Dylan Sampson's been in the program for two years and still hasn't learned how to pass block. And I'm like, again, that's more about will, I feel like, at this point. I mean, no one's so incompetent. that I've never heard of a running back not being able to pick up pass block within like three months of being in the program. So I'm thinking those two things, there's a real opening for a feature back and Peyton Lewis coming in, if he can pick up pass blocking, I think the spring is the perfect time for him to do that. He could easily become the starter in the fall, guys. I, I don't think it's, it'd be shocking to see Peyton Lewis be the starting running back in September.
4: Jim, thoughts?
0: I
5: would actually be surprised if he's a uh, starting running back because of Samson. I agree with you on Samson's inability in pass protection. The other thing that hurts Samson, I don't know what they list him at. He looks like he's a buck 80. Uh, that's not very big if you're trying to, Block a 220 pound linebacker that's blitzing. Uh, But he does need to uh, improve in that regard. I would be, I think they would go with the veteran there. I do think Peyton Lewis eventually, and I don't really know how good he is. I know how good they say he is, but I would be surprised if he started. I would not be surprised to see him get quite a bit of action early in the year. And to Caleb's point, a lot of it's going to be predicated on how. Well, he does in in pass protection. One of the best running back pass protectors I've, I saw at Tennessee was Jalen Hurd. Now, one reason he was so good at it was he was so big, uh, which is to me the disadvantage that Samson has right now.
4: Um, I I agree with that. So let's let's tweak it into this: What high school midterm enrollee? Because I think we all expect for Hurd and Moy to to have an impact, and they're supposed to be there as well.
1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: So it is on our YouTube page right now. What midterm high school enrollee will get the most out of spring camp? Mike Matthews, Boo Carter, Peyton Lewis, and Jake Merklinger. Uh, There we go. And it is time for What the H because I do not understand for the life of me why you have an athletic director that is uh, responding to tweets uh via fans that's odd to me here we go
2: what the what was he thinking release the hounds for dave hooker show k- 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 keep cool a presentation of off the all right
4: so Caleb can we pull up the tweet is that possible uh we can yeah yeah i'll share it with you
0: guys Okay, we're going to
4: we're going to bring that up. But first, Jimmy, give me your impression of Danny White as a whole. He's been called on this show one of the best athletic directors in the nation. However, I've been told by several people that he does have a little bit of a sensitive side. What's your take?
5: Uh, I think he's done a really good job as athletic director. I think he has a vision. I think he's a really good fundraiser. They're at two hundred million dollars now with their budget, uh, which is a lot of money. Uh, they've had a very successful athletic department. Many of the coaches succeeding are coaches he didn't hire, but at least I give him credit for not saying, I'm going to go out and hire my guy. If you got a really good coach in place like Rick Barnes, why would you blow him up? So I give him some credit for that. Uh, so in, uh, Overall, and also they've won the All-Sports Trophy in the SEC two years in a row. They've done a really nice job. And one of the things I've, I've heard from coaches, he doesn't just emphasize football, which obviously you you got to be good in that sport. But he also cares about the results in a lot of other sports. Those coaches know that, and they perform at a high level. So I think, overall, he's done a really good job. Um, Now, as far as how sensitive he is, I I haven't encountered that. I have not seen the tweet either, so I'm interested to see what that is.
4: Okay, Uh, let's go ahead and bring that up. um, As this was in response to it's not incredibly easy to see. It's a long Um, tweet. Yeah, (laughs) it's a long tweet. So, Caleb, uh, read that off for us so that Jimmy uh, knows what what page we're on here. But essentially, Jimmy, it was somebody that had a big orange had said day five of asking athletic director Danny White uh, to move the student section. And his response is, I guess since it's day five, I'll answer, but won't be addressing this again. We already changed the student section prior to the 2020. 23 season, moving the students from the corner to behind both baskets closer to the court, increasing lower bowl seats by 40% while keeping the same number of upper bowl seats. We did this to enhance our home court advantage, and it has worked. Atmosphere is electric. It's disingenuous to compare to the third largest college basketball arena in the country that's sold out for the season to buildings half the size <coughs> the of the season ticket base. Stop the nonsense. That's a, a weird, I don't know. That just, I can't imagine Doug Dickey ever doing something like that if, if Elon Musk was messing with Twitter.
5: I think there are two, perhaps, uh, phrases or sentences that could have been left out that would have made this uh, uh, probably more appe- appealing. <laughs> um, so don't start with, I guess, since it's day five, I'll answer. Just go ahead and answer. I will address your question. The second one is stop the nonsense. Uh, that wasn't necessary to put that in there. So those would be the two. If I were editing his tweet, that's where I would help him.
0: Agree. So, okay. So you, what I I I agree. This is part of Danny White's strategy, though. He's always been a bit of a mm. troll and a promoter. I mean, to a positive way. And I, Jimmy, I, I told Dave this yesterday. Look, as long as Florida State and Miami are stuck in the in the ACC, and until they can get out of it, don't be surprised if, because of the work Danny White did at UCF, if they surpass Florida State and Miami as the as the as the one of the top dogs in the state of Florida in athletics in the next ten years. Danny White was so ahead of the curve. He did that troll move in twenty seventeen where he hung a national championship banner. Remember that for them going undefeated.
5: Yeah, I remember
0: that. Yeah. So I think this is part of it. My issue with Danny White actually does come from a media perspective. He does things like this. He responds on Twitter. But I don't think Danny White does a lot of – And I, Jimmy's head will probably explode with me seeing this, but I'm actually going to give him a little bit of credit. He doesn't do as much – standing in front of the podium when things are going wrong the way Dave Hart did now things haven't been going wrong as much but say whatever you want to say about Dave Hart every time there was an issue Dave Hart got in front of the podium and answered every question <clears throat> Jimmy I'm sure you were at that press conference right after the Tyndall firing Dave Hart yes. did not leave the press conference until every he made sure to answer every single question that was there after that firing and I I don't know I don't know if I see the same from Danny White in doing that but Danny White hasn't made as many mistakes to need to answer to those questions the way Dave Hart did at the same time. To be fair,
5: yeah, he didn't hire Donnie Tindall, uh, so that, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that. Uh, and then, and then, uh, of course, Dave Hart hired Rick Barnes, so you got to give Hart credit for that. Uh, I uh, when I was uh, before I retired, we had Danny White on a weekly basis during uh, the football season and into the spring. Uh, but he does not do a lot of media appearances. I, 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 don't, I won't say that he's uncomfortable doing it. I just don't know that that's, uh, that's what he prefers to do. Uh, he does not get out and mingle as much as some other athletic directors I've seen in the past at Tennessee, but he does, he ends up producing, we, we talked about the revenue. We talked about what the sports are doing. He does a good job with that. Uh, but, Do I think it would serve him well if he got out in public more and perhaps did more appearances? I I I think it would.
4: It's interesting. Um, What the H stuck in uh, Danny White a little bit brought to you by our friend Don Self, who is in the Chattanooga area, 423-396-2126, or go to donself.net, donself.net. Everybody's shopping prices today, but when you put in a claim, You want to know that your insurance agent can take care of you. Customer service still matters. That's donself.net, donself.net in the greater Chattanooga area over 40 years. Check him out, donself.net. Let me ask both of you guys this, but I want to start with Jimmy. Do we like some of this? Because if I I go to the uh, message board, and I pull up. One of the first things I think Danny's tweet is great. He's ripping the guy for for being a pest. Jimmy, is this more uh, acceptable nowadays from guys in leadership positions? And there's one guy that somewhere in uh, this that Mississippi area, I think, that likes to tweet a lot. That retweeted one of my columns over the weekend, which was strange. He did, um, yeah. I don't know. Do- do, we, do He called me classy too, which basically is to reference the fact that I ripped him last week, just so that he knows. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> but Jimmy, I, I do. Do we like some of this? Is this is this good for fans? Does it get the churn going? Is there a flip side to being what I perceive as too sensitive?
5: It's uh, it's good for podcasts. It's good for talk radio. <laughs> it's good for the media. Uh, but it's probably better to to take the high road. Uh, in situations like that, I got to the point where I got ripped so much, I didn't even read them anymore, so I didn't really care. So I didn't know what people were saying about me. Uh, It didn't do me any good if they were ripping me. It didn't do me any good if they were praising me. I just did my job and went on and tried to have tunnel vision. And I think that's what Danny White, I I think that's what other people in leadership roles should have. I I will say this, every now and then, somebody ticked me off to the point where I did respond. And as soon as I hit that send button, I'm like, "Eh, why did I do that? Just let it go. I mean, who cares what that knucklehead thinks? So, um, yeah, I, but I do think it's it's uh, it's it's good for the media uh, when you have these situations that occur.
4: Have you seen the Herm Edwards video with the NFL Symposium? Don't, don't. hit send. Have you seen that? <laughs> <laughs> <Just don't.
5: laughs> no, like, I, have, I have not. It uh, repeats
4: it over and over. Just don't <laughs> hit sinned. I and wish I'd taken that advice a couple times. He's so impactful about it. Uh, Caleb is, is some of this cool? I mean, yeah, is some is- of it like you're, you've got a, an in vogue dude who's kind of hip cause he uses the, uh, the X or whatever the heck we call it.
0: Yeah, but I, I'm with Jimmy. I don't know if it's good for what his job is. I don't know necessarily think it's bad. I think he really is just trying to address questions that were asked to him and he has responded to fans. I mean, I see Jimmy's point from a media perspective. I'm like, we 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 feed off the drama. I like drama. I like chaos. Yeah. I'm like I'm like the Joker in Batman. I'm an agent of chaos. So <laughs> you know when when people come at me on Twitter, Jimmy, I will say I come back and I don't regret it. It actually fuels me. It's of uh, you know, and some former players have come at me before, and it fuels me to say, I think I'm gonna write something else to upset them because I had so much fun upsetting them this time <laughs> that I think I should just target them. And tell them why they specifically sucked when they played at Tennessee. (laughs) And so (laughs) I I don't have them, I didn't have that much time.
5: Yeah, I mean, That'd have been my job responding, so I just decided to let it go. Four hours a day on the radio yeah, <laughs> makes it
4: difficult. Um, but we may have a young John Adams on our hands. That sounds like something John would say. Judy was
3: boring.
1: Hello.
2: Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com
1: It's my little escape. Now
2: Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance
3: to redeem some serious prizes.
4: Ch-ch-chumba.
3: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes.
4: Uh, J- Jimmy's column on basketball is fantastic. So I encourage you to check it out. Jimmy, I think, and you wrote, that uh tennessee has a great opportunity to to make the final four and if you can go over kind of some of the reasons of why you think that um your column red like i thought so i don't know what that says about you or me but i, I was thinking all the exact same stuff and i thought it's fantastic
5: well there are several boxes that i think you need to check if you want to be a final four caliber team uh One is you need an an elite scorer. Somebody gets you a basket to perhaps end a drought, and they've got that in Dalton Kinnett. What he's done recently, uh, four straight games with at least 25 points. He had a stretch where he scored like 38 points in maybe six games, but he had an ankle injury. I think that impacted it. But now that he's fully healthy, so you've got the elite scorer. You've got a very good point guard, Sakai Ziegler, who can score. Uh, He's mounting up assists. He leads the SEC in assists, and he's very good at steals. He had four against Alabama. So you got the elite score, you got the point guard, you got an inside score in Jonas, Jonas, Adu. He has really come on. He's got a really nice left-handed touch around the basket. And he's improved his average to where he's now at over 12 points a game. Uh, the other thing you have is uh, elite defense. According to Ken Palm, Tennessee's defense has been ranked number two in the nation in defensive efficiency. So that's another thing I like. The other part is I like their depth. They had a stretch where, in my opinion, Josiah Jordan-James and Santiago Vescovy did nothing. And yet Tennessee won the majority of those games because they got good performances off the bench from a Mayshack. Or they had a Ganey the other day hit three out of five on threes against Alabama, and I know he's a better shooter than what he's been. So I'm looking at these parts and thinking, man, when Vescovy and James get it going, and Vescovy played well against Alabama, but when they get to playing as they're capable of, I'm looking at a very deep team. The one area I don't like about this team right now, and there may be others that you could point out, but when they have gone against a physical big man who can score, they've not done a good job. Whether it was against Purdue, Kansas, North Carolina, second half against D.J. Burns at NC State, Mississippi State, those guys hurt Tennessee with their inside scoring because they were physical.
0: Yeah, Jimmy, so – I. I wanted to ask you about because my big thing has always been in in March you got to be able to shoot from three. But I think what held Tennessee back last year was they had no inside scoring to draw people away from the perimeter defensively mm-hmm. because let's just face it, Jus Plavchik was not that much of an offensive threat under the basket. Has, yep, <laughs> <laughs> um, but how? So how big of a deal is it that uh, you know every one of these games that Don't Connect has been going off? Jonas Adu has been getting double figures and. Uh, un- un- underneath the basket, and by the way, not from the mid-range. He's been scoring inside the paint. Yes. How big of a deal is that when um, when March comes that he can that he that now uh, j- as long as long as he's healthy, he seems like he's drawing attention away from the perimeter now, isn't he? Uh, yes, he
5: is, and and it's left Tennessee with more open shots. The other thing Tennessee's done, and I think they've done a uh, Rick Barnes has done a good job adjusting to this. He's not running all that motion offense that he did before. He's isolating Kinnett, and then, then he's going with the pick and roll with Kinnett and Adu, or Kinnett and somebody else. But they've been using Kinnett in that regard, uh, what they have called at times the 1-4 offense. Kinnett and then uh, four guys spread out, and then they do a pick and roll off of that. But I think uh, Adu's ability to score inside has helped on the perimeter, uh, uh, because uh, if you want to stop Adu, now you almost have to double team him. Now, he's not a good three-point shooter, but he is a capable 12- to 15-foot jump shooter. He can do that. And so that can also, at times, help take a big man a little bit away from the basket. But I do think his production inside has helped this offense overall.
4: Jimmy, let me ask you this. It was a topic that came up this week, and it's, it's a stance I took. I talked to Isaiah Victor about it. I think he thinks I'm a little bit crazy. But I think at the end of the season, we'll say Dalton Connect was the best score since Bernard King. That's skipping a couple of pretty big names, but I do think he's that good. I make the Jason Tatum comparison. Um, what do you think? Is that is that a reach?
5: Well, I like the fact that Connect can score at all three levels. Lofton was a great scorer, uh, but he was primarily a three-point shooter, right? He He didn't go to the basket very much. I, I, might, I might stop at Allen Houston. I thought Houston was a terrific scorer. Uh, he averaged over 22 points a game in his career, and he was consistent with that. Uh, he also – now, he wasn't – I don't know that he could take it to the basket the way Canette does, but he was – Allen was a really good three-point shooter, a really good pull-up jump shooter, mid-range. Uh, but it, it's hard for me to ignore a guy that scored 2,800 points in his career. So I, I think I would stop at Allen Houston.
4: That's fair um, to rebut that didn't I, I think Allen Houston was an elite <clears throat> scorer, obviously, but a spot mm-hmm. up shooter more oftentimes than not in the NBA. And he took a lot of shots because they didn't have a lot of guys around him. Now, admittedly, mm-hmm. I was a I was a college student that pretty much didn't know that there was basketball going on because the program was so bad at the time. But uh, take me back to that time. Did Allen shoot a lot? because he was open, or did he shoot a lot because nobody else could shoot the ball? Well,
5: it was a combination of it. He, he was an elite scorer, and so you wanted him to shoot a lot, just like Tennessee wants Connect to shoot it a lot. He didn't have a lot of um, scoring around him, as I recall. They had Carlos Gros, who was an inside guy. Uh, I think they had Wharton on the team. So Some of this kind of blends a little bit with me, but I don't remember them having – there was a, a guy named Allen – Corey Allen that was on the team. They had some decent players surrounding him, but they didn't have anybody that was near the caliber of what Houston could do offensively. And uh, And he could score off the dribble. He just wasn't a guy that would take it to the to the rack very often. Now, and, and also in deference to that, my opinion, based on my memory, Dalton Canette's got a whole lot more offensive weapons around him. I mean, I know that some of these guys haven't been shooting really well from three-point range. We have seen an uptick from Ziggler in the last, I don't know, eight or so games, but Vescovy is a better shooter than he's shown. So is James. So you've got more weapons to score around Kinnett than you do around Houston. So I do think some of it was, it was out of necessity, but also I thought Allen was just a, a terrific shooter. Uh,
0: so, they, uh, Jimmy, I wanted to ask a little bit about, because one person I feel like we missed was Dale Ellis. Um, yeah. as a scorer too. Um, yeah. but there he did seem to have more help, didn't he? The early Don DeVoe years, uh, was Dale Ellis alone in in willing that team to the NCAA tournament, or did he have more help than connected around that time? Oh,
5: uh, he, he had Willie Burton. He had a couple of other guys. Uh, they had a pretty good point guard at that time. Here's the thing about Dale Ellis, uh, and I, I watched him play a number of times. I did not know Dale Ellis could shoot outside of twelve feet. Right when he was in college, all they they put him at the post. And, and six seven, and he would—he was either too quick for the guy to defend him, or the guy wouldn't come out to twelve feet to guard him. I had no idea Dale Ellis could shoot a three-point shot. And he gets it. He gets well, I'm yeah, they got in the NBA. See, was he at one time the all-time leading
4: three-point shooter in the NBA? Most threes made. I want to say that's right, Jimmy. I, I mean, he was a complete. It, I do remember that he was a completely different player. And I guess I was like eight when he played at Tennessee.
5: Yeah and, and and so and DeVos saw that that Ellis was such a great player around the basket and so he didn't he didn't go outside and shoot much at all now I was told that in practice he would go out there and he was knocking down outside jumpers but in games he hardly ever took a shot outside of 12 to 50 feet now was he a really good scorer yes I think he had if I'm not mistaken, Caleb, I think he had a couple of seasons where he averaged around 20, 22 points at Tennessee. He was the SEC player of the year. He was hard to guard. But I, looking back, I, I think Tennessee could have used him in more of a variety of ways to score rather than just posting him up at the basket.
4: Oh, my gosh. And a reference by Derek. Derek Dell Ellis, an NBA jam from downtown three. He's on fire. You probably never played NBA <laughs> jam, did you, Jimmy? Uh, No. Oh, it's, it's the best game ever. They've they've got uh, it all in Massachusetts where my son goes to school. It's like uh, that's a big basketball area, so it's silly, it's goofy and everything. But uh, it's a fun game. But anyway, getting back to Ellis. So I'm going to show my ignorance. Was it not having the three-point line in college at the time? Was the three-point line there? Is that why he didn't shoot outside or that?
5: They did not have a three point line uh, okay. until '87. Okay, I believe that's right. And so when I started covering Tennessee in 1985, Ellis, I think, was gone. I think that was Tony White, right? Year, yeah, Tony White uh, came along, and I, I think they put in the three point shot when Tony White toward the end of his career. But I don't think it was there at the start of Tony's career. And by the way, Tony White was a heck of a scorer. Uh, he had oh, yeah. the SC, Yeah, he he averaged 24 and a half points one year led the SEC in scoring, uh, and he also was a guy that was a three-level score. He could hit the three, he could hit the mid-range jumper, and he would take it to the basket. Uh, that's uh, I'm glad you mentioned Tony. Tony was another uh, uh, outstanding scorer for Tennessee.
4: Yeah, as a kid, well, you that, build point, a... that was my first favorite basketball player mm-hmm. at Tennessee, and then Johnny Jones was my first favorite football player yeah. at Tennessee. Ahead,
0: you go. could legit build an uh, all-time – elite tennessee basketball team of players who were elite scorers stuck with no talent around them so they had limited team success <laughs> and it would be tony white yeah. Allen houston and ron slay senior year when ron slay was really uh, I, we have him on yeah. the show i love him but he had to labor under buzz peterson and you just feel so bad for the guy that he had to play for buzz peterson and jerry green And so, <laughs> um,
4: uh, last last thing so jimmy you're putting together your all-time tennessee team are you taking tony white or Zakai ziegler and is it close
5: I'd take Tony White. I, I know Ziegler's really good, but Tony White was something special now. that He was an SEC caliber player of the year. He, he like I said, he led the league in scoring one year. He had two phenomenal years. He had a, uh, I actually saw his two highest scoring games. He had a 49 point game and then a 51 point game. Uh, the 51 point game finally broke the record. Uh, he did that against Auburn. The funny story about that is that Sonny White kept, uh, Sonny Smith, I'm sorry, the Auburn coach, Kept fouling Tony White late in the game, and 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 White was glad to do it against Auburn because Sonny Smith didn't recruit Tony White, so Tony would one who <laughs> love sticking it to Sonny Smith. But uh, I, I would I would take Tony White over Ziegler, and I like Ziegler. I think he's got a really nice all around game. But man, Tony was special.
4: Yeah, he was so fast, and the way he would uh weave in and out on fast breaks was amazing I was like oh my gosh it's one of the, it's one of the guys what, that made me a sports fan
5: what you did like that that's what Don DeVoe used to do when Tony would shoot all the time with these acrobatic but then it would go in and and Don DeVoe couldn't do anything he, he, oh, okay all right no, that's not a good shot oh well never mind it went in okay
4: Jimmy, uh love talking to you each and every Wednesday. Appreciate the time. And uh let's let's do lunch sooner rather than later.
5: All right. I look forward to that. Dave, I appreciate it. Caleb, I appreciate it. Y'all have a great day.
4: Best of that gorgeous uh, grandson, man. He's got he's got his grandfather's eyes. He does, I'll- those blue eyes. I'll see him in about five minutes. That's awesome.
5: Yes. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Can
4: I be an uncle? Cause my uh, wife and I are both only children. So we don't have any nieces or nephews. So can you call me uncle Dave? I've asked Josh Ward to do the same thing.
5: What did Josh say?
4: He's working on it.
5: <laughs> I'll, I'll work on it. I'll mention uncle Dave to my grandson, Orion today and see what his reaction is.
4: Love it. Have a blessed day. Thanks. Jimmy.
5: <laughs> Take care guys.
4: Jimmy. Himes. Yeah. Can I be an uncle? Do you? I, Caleb is expecting. Can I be Uncle Dave to your young one?
0: I the you know honestly, Uncle just sounds weird to me. It, and I am an uncle. I just hate being called an uncle. It just feels weird. It
4: feels sounds like, like sounds a little like that guy from uh, Family Guy.
0: Get your fat ass out here, Herb. Hey there, <bustling> <laughs> No, what I think actually, what you I think of y'all are gonna laugh. What. I, I'm, I'm a big Bridget Jones fan, and uh, there was a real big perv in that movie that insists all the younger women call him uncle.
4: And- okay, <laughs> now I'm not, sa- I'm not asking you, Josh or Jimmy anymore, because <laughs> I don't want to be. And, and listen, there was some discussion on here about. Caleb may have said something flippantly uh, about a guy hitting a woman. He was making fun of somebody. Caleb is one of the greatest people I know. He's not an advocate of hitting women. So Rocky Top Tom or whoever, uh, come back to the show. We love you. Oh, I'll, I'll,
0: I'll, I'll, no, I'll be honest about what happened. You were off the show, Dave, and um, basically people got mad at me because I didn't say we were talking. It was when that It was that day when your power went out. And I was interacting with the message board and it was brought up that someone brought up that Alabama has no integrity because they didn't suspend the player for hitting the fan at Neyland stadium last year that stormed the field. And I said, and I, all I said was there's a, there there needs to be a lot more context. I don't think he directly like intentionally hit a fan hit a woman. I think he was walking off the stadium and fans were storming the field. And in the chaos, he reacted in a way he shouldn't have. That doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean it was right but that doesn't necessarily mean that he directly was like I'm going to hit a woman <laughs> you know what i mean
4: I, so I, I just for that instance i would have i would have probably suspended him but it was a gray area it was not it was not clear so uh, anyway i we wouldn't i don't know. so <laughs> i got
0: accused of defending hitting women at that moment which i'm like okay if you're going to man me like this whatever
4: okay that is, uh, I promise you that Caleb is one of the greatest guys I've ever known. and I could give you several examples, but instead we're going to talk about the Vols because uh, we hope we get Rocky Top Tom back because he was fantastic. Um, man, there is one school that has spent a way ton of money on NIL, and I have a little bit of insight as to how much these schools are spending on NIL. And this number absolutely blew me away. And I got to be honest, I don't know that Tennessee can compete with the kind of number that I heard this morning. With Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. In two minutes, we'll discuss that off the hook sports.
2: Sun, sand, and saltwater, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. (sighs) Ah... <sighs>
1: Have you seen the latest TriStar Hats Co. product?
4: TriStar Hats Co., what's that?
1: You know, those really cool hats, shirts, tumblers, and even license plates with three stars like the official Tennessee flag and stripes like the American flag. Pretty patriotic if you ask me.
4: Ah, gotcha, seen those, those are cool. Where can I get them?
1: Simple, TriStarHatsCo.com. And if you order now, there's 10% on any order, $50 or more. Plus, use the promo code, Hooked.
4: With the promo code HOOKED, you get 10% off. That's HOOKED.
1: And don't forget free shipping with any order over 50 bucks. Stock up at TristarHatsCo.com That's TristarHatsCo.com There are plenty of wannabes out there, so make sure you go to TristarHatsCo.com for the best quality and customer service.
4: Will do, and I'll be sure to use the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED when I do to save an additional 10% off. TristarHatsCo.com
0: Trystarhatsco. Was a trademark of Tristar Hats Co. LLC. Any use without express written consent is prohibited.
1: The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorney. Play to win, banksjones.com. Um,
2: who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show, Who? a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, what? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker.
4: All righty. So, Tennessee is where in NIL cash compared to other programs in the nation? If I just ask you right out of the shoot, Caleb, would you say top half of NIL cash available to spend? Top ten percent? Top five percent? Top one percent? So keep in mind, we're talking about a, a roughly 130 Division One football program. So it kind of works out the percentages. Uh, would you have them, uh, top 10, top five, top, I mean, one would be the number one, basically school of the nation based off percentages. So where would you have them right now?
0: On a year to year basis, I would have them actually number one. I think they're number one on a year to year basis with NIL cash to spend. Now that doesn't mean in any given year, they're going to spend the most, but I think over a period of time, Tennessee has the most NIL cash to spend. I think it's, I, I think there may not be a close second. And it has a lot to do with what Jimmy talked about. Danny White's so good at fundraising that they already had a large collective because of their boosters and their donors. And now those boosters and donors don't even have to commit that much to the football program. And let's be honest, Josh Heifel, you don't have to pay him what you're having, what you had to pay Nick Saban or what they paid Brian Kelly or Kirby Smart. So he comes a little bit cheaper right now.
4: Okay, I'm I'm going to disagree with you. But first, um, lay down what we're talking about and it has to do with Ohio state that spending eight digits on a group of players perhaps could be a little bit desperate. We'll get into that as portions of the program are brought to you by the hemp house, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products and House chat with two T's.com and chat with two T's.com. So, Caleb, let me ask you about that number $10 million. Ohio State is crowing about the money they can spend. I don't know if you have a release on that that you want to pull up, but they're the ones self promoting it. $10 million just on incoming players, not to keep the Cooper Mazes of the world. That's what Ohio State is spending. Is that? No, that's what they've already spent that's what they've already spent which is even crazier they could spend more before the second signing day
0: yes yes this is um uh this is what they a source told 10 tv in um t- wbns news uh were, was able to get a hold of this and basically they have been loading up on talent and this is where uh you have to think look at who ohio state has been adding they added the Alabama transfer quarterback Julian Sand, who was a number three quarterback in the nation, and so they got him. They have he he joins with Kansas State transfer quarterback Will Howard, two quarterbacks that expect to start next year. Both agreed to go to Ohio State, which is crazy on its own. And then on top of that, safety Caleb Downs, who we know is probably was probably the best defensive player in the open market this year, that wasn't going to be a headache like Walter Nolan, and then a uh, center Seth McLaughlin. Who did play horrible in the Rose Bowl? Let's be honest, but at the same time, Seth McLaughlin does have a lot of raw potential, and he just wasn't ready for that moment. So, yeah, they have been. Uh, it, but but there were a couple of players they where they did spend some money was to get players that Dave. I'll just tell you they spent a couple of of it a bit of it on player retention, but not player retention like Tennessee, for instance. Tennessee spent money to keep we believe Cooper Mays back, right?
3: But well, Cooper, th- Ke- uh,
4: Cooper, probably a little bit Keenan, although Keenan didn't have as much leverage. John Campbell Jr., not as much leverage. But I think everybody that we've talked about that have returned that could have gone, got a little chunk. Cooper's the lead lead dog in that. Right.
0: But all of them also have a chance to improve their draft stock this year, too. At the same time, it's not like we're talking top five draft pick that they threw away. Like, it's not like John Henderson in 2000, who literally left millions on the table to come back to Tennessee in 2001. And the same with um, uh, Peyton Manning in 96 to 97. Well, Ohio State got that with uh, uh, Travion Henderson. He'd have been the top running back in the draft uh, this upcoming year. And he chose to come back to Ohio State, which was the weirdest Thing plus they added a thousand yard rusher Quinchon Junkins from uh, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, so we're talking they're loading up on talent players competing at the same position, and they're spending a ton of nil cash to do it. I'm pretty sure they're basically telling Ryan Day, "You're out of excuses if you don't win a national championship this year, we're firing you." That's what they're trying. They're, they, that's what they're trying to do.
4: Wow. Derek saying TMZ currently surfacing dirt on OSU. If that's the case, put a link in there, Derek. I think you're joking, but I'm not sure. That's um, nothing would surprise me now. TMZ is all about the clicks. Who cares about uh, having any integrity whatsoever? But they've broken into an an area where they do break some stuff. Uh, Hit that like and subscribe button. Smash the like button if you haven't done that to this point. So Caleb thinks Tennessee can absolutely compete. That brings us to four downs. NIL style. Derek said he's joking. I was excited. (laughs)
1: Four Downs brought to you by Dynasty Spas, the most comfortable spas made in the United States of America, right here in East Tennessee. Drop in for the all-new showroom in Athens. Dynasty Spas, perfect for all four seasons. Four Downs presented by Off the Hook Sports.
4: Yeah, I mentioned, five, mentioned Off the Hook Sports, and you get $500 off of your spa, and it comes with everything they can deliver in Knoxville. Go to that Athens Showroom Support our sponsors. That's why we're here. So, Coop, what do we do? We're going to jump into the hot tub.
2: Cooper Mays here. Hit like and
4: subscribe. All righty. Let's go what down? Coop here. First down. All right. So, what do you make of Ohio State self-promoting this number? Tennessee's done some self-promotion of NIL. But I got to be honest with you. I don't think it's the best business practice Because if I say that off-the-hook sports just made $10 million last year, then uh, Caleb Calhoun and Caleb Giroux are going to come say, where's my raise? And I wouldn't blame them for doing it. I think it's a little silly. And you put yourself in a position where a kid says, you spent $10 million last year. I'm a quarterback. Spend a lot of money on me. I think it's stupid. And I think most Ohio State fans are kind of off. I think uh, most of the time I agree with you,
0: but sometimes I think this is done for pressure. I think Tennessee did this to let people know they have the number one NIL collective. And right after they did that, remember Danny White started his fundraising goal of 500 million. Danny White's point in all this was to the fan base, guys, I need some money from y'all if y'all want to keep having this collective at number one to get Nico. That, it, it, it's connected. He basically is trying to make the point, we don't get Nico. Danny White is saying to everybody, Tennessee, we don't get NICO guys without the NIL Collective. And the NIL Collective is only possible if y'all help us reach this fundraising goal. That's basically what happens. Now, Ohio State, you do know – uh here, here's something to think about, Dave. They just hired Ross Bjork, you know, the former athletic director at Texas A&M.
4: Yes, that... and I love Bjork when uh, he was a singer as well. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Um, so they hired Ross Bjork, who was responsible for the firing of Jimbo Fisher and responsible for the 12th man initiative that got in trouble with NIL last year. So Bjork is a big NIL guy. I think part of this is a method by Bjork to literally make it publicly known. A new athletic director, NIL coming up. He wants to make it clear. He wants to set the stage right now to make it smooth when he decides to fire Ryan Day next year. Because I think okay. he wants Ryan Day gone.
4: Yeah, I think they're all in. This is like the same thing as go- – and th- th- they hired Bill O'Brien, uh, offensive coordinator. I think you may have mentioned that, right? So yep. they bring him in. He's an offensive coach. I think it's basically give you everything to see if you can make it, and if you screw it up, bye-bye. You're gone. Yeah. So I think that's, that's exactly, exactly what, what it is. And don't be surprised with Ohio State if there's another lincoln Riley type move, like a guy goes from a big school to another big school. Now, I don't know who that opens it up, but – you could start talking about guys that have had success. Steve Sarkeesian, um, Brian, Kelly. Kiffin, Brian Kelly, Lane Kiffin. I don't think these guys want to go to Ohio State, but I'm just talking about if you have Ohio State to offer and this type of money and NIL, then you don't have to hire an up-and-coming offensive coordinator. It's a top
0: three job in the country. It's a top three job in the country.
4: Agreed. Bar- Second easily. down, Coop. Cooper? Cooper is here. Second down. Okay. Will we ever see a moment again in our lifetimes where NIL takes a backseat to anything else in high school recruiting? I'm not talking about transfers. I'm talking about high school football recruiting. We already
0: saw it, and yeah, we're going to see it again. And it's this, when you have a, you might see it with Kirby Smart now. I, I think players right now are taking what was the Saban discount. I think you're seeing the Kirby Smart discount, where players are realizing, particularly on defense, Kirby Smart's going to get me to the NFL and make me a top ten draft pick. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll sacrifice uh I'll sacrifice some nil money for that. You see, I bet you see it with John Calipari in basketball. Think John Calipari can be like, look at what I've done with guards. Look at how many lottery picks I've produced. I, I'm sorry. I think if you are an elite coach in terms of nil in terms of pro talent that you've produced. Look, I think Fulmer would have gotten an NIL discount in the late 90s had it existed.
4: I think, from what I've been told, Josh Heupel's already gotten a discount. And I think it was obvious by Big Mac over the weekend. I don't think George McIntyre, with Merklinger and Nico on the roster, was promised a ton of money. I think he wanted to come to Tennessee partly because he was an in-state kid, but also partly because... Tennessee has an offense that's exciting. So I think you get an offensive discount, not a go to the NFL discount, but I could see a time Tennessee's culture where a lot of kids, yes, they get some NIL so they don't have to go without their Taco Bell, like Arian Foster lied about, but you don't have to give $8 million to a quarterback from California. That was the splash one. I think we'll be talking about much more realistic numbers in the in the coming years, we'll see. And if there's a cap, that's possible, but that seems really illegal to me unless there's a union. What down, Coop? Tennessee Center Cooper May's here. Third down. How many SEC schools do you believe can compete with spending 10 million dollars to this point on incoming players? What SEC schools can compete financially, not have to compete like Georgia, but can compete. And then I want to ask you specifically about Tennessee and why I don't think they can compete with Ohio State dollars uh, penny for penny. But that's splitting hairs. First, what SEC schools can compete with that type of cash?
0: I think the two Texas schools can, since Texas is joining the SEC. I think they'll be able to.
4: Agreed.
0: That's it. That's it. Nobody else can compete with Tennessee and NIL cash on a year-to-year basis. Nobody. Tennessee wait, so you, is. Wait. So
4: you think you think Tennessee and the two Texas schools can compete with Ohio State? That was the question.
0: Yes. Yes, they can compete with those three. Can compete with Ohio State. Nobody else can. Nobody else can.
4: Uh, I think Alabama and Georgia can. Okay. So. If you look at revenue out of the top 25 schools, who do you think is number one? Now, this is not the same thing. Money coming into the university is not the same as NIL. It doesn't mean they have that uh, all in place, but I think there's usually a similarity. Who do you think is number one in terms of revenue in the entire nation?
0: Hmm. I would venture to guess Texas A&M, but could
4: I be wrong on that? m7, Ohio state's number one at 251 million. Texas is 239 million, Alabama 214 million. Michigan 210 million, Georgia 203 million, LSU 199, Texas AM 193. Now these numbers are that I'm giving you are somewhat dated because we know Tennessee has eclipsed uh, 200 million. They released that not long ago. So these numbers are a little bit dated because all the numbers haven't come in. But if you ask me that question, I think that Tennessee, I think the SEC teams that can compete with Ohio State and Michigan, for that matter, are Texas, the Texas schools, Texas Texas A&M, Georgia, and Alabama. As for Tennessee, all SEC center Cooper Mays here. Four can the Vols compete with that sort of cash? I'll remind you, Four Downs is brought to you by Dynasty Pools and Spas. Go to Dynasty Pools and Spas for your chemicals and visit their showroom in Athens. Mention Off the Hook Sports. Get $500 off your next spa, and they deliver to Knoxville and Chattanooga. All right. So you think Tennessee can compete with that sort of spending, correct?
0: Right now they can. Yes, right now. But not long-term, because I will tell you this, and I thought about this as I've been, as we've been talking. And I say this for the Texas schools joining the SEC. Long-term, because of the bad Sinky deal with ESPN, the SEC schools just won't be able to compete with the Big Ten period. I mean, you're going to see Wisconsin, Michigan, and Ohio State with that revenue they got coming in. They're going to lap the SEC in revenue spending. Because they have... When those TV contracts start paying out, they will be able to – donors will be able to donate so much less money that they'll be able to just open up checkbooks for talent. And, I mean, to the level that I'm not going to be surprised if you see Wisconsin go down to I – you'll see Wisconsin and Iowa go down to Texas and just pluck Texas talent out of the state. And, by the way, you know I talked about Louisiana kids staying in Louisiana? I think they'll pluck some Louisiana kids away out of LSU easily with the NIL money they'll have.
4: I don't think Tennessee can consistently compete with those top of dollars right now. And I think Tennessee has one of the best NIL initiatives out there. But we're talking a different level of dollars. If you look at all of these schools, you would expect Ohio State, since some of the numbers I gave you are a little bit dated, they'll be pushing $300 within a couple of years, especially with the TV money. So I think that schools would be wise, Alabama, to find things that are appealing to your school that are not just NIL. And with losing Nick Saban, that becomes incredibly difficult. Tennessee, I think, has to offset that with, hey, listen, the old John Calipari thing, don't trip trip over nickels to get to millions. That is what they've got to say. Uh, that And Ryan Day might be on the hot seat this year or definitely next year if they don't uh, go deep into the college football playoff. Still sounds weird saying that. They don't go deep into the college football playoff. Um, but I don't think Tennessee could compete with that sort of cash long term. I think what you have to sell is yes, um, Ohio State may be able to give you a hundred million. Or I'm sorry, one million, but we can give you eight hundred thousand. Oh, and you can then be at this school, and you can have a great corporate culture where it's very supportive, and this is a better fit for you. I think there's a lot of things you can sell. I think when you're talking about those type of dollars, including the NFL, you can sell that as well. I think you have to start selling other other things besides just the whatever it may be, a million dollars. Now, as far as the, the promotion of it, I think that's stupid. I think that, frankly, uh, it's really stupid. I think... Tennessee and Spire Sports regrets letting that $8 million leak out there for Nico. Um, I don't know why you would do that. And it just speaks to me of desperation getting back to Ohio State. You you brought it up this morning. It is total desperation. It is this year or, or nothing for Ryan Day, I believe. And I didn't think so when I woke up this morning before I talked to you at our 3.45 a.m. production meeting. Caleb, this is – You've been saying this for a long time, and Caleb's ahead of the curve on a lot of things. I thought Ohio State would be fine just kind of chugging along. But, man, losing to Michigan is a big deal. Three years in a row. Yes, three years in a row. I mean, that is a – and I did work for a company out of Ohio. And it is a big, big deal for a lot of casual fans as well. So, um, Caleb, you have – the NFL is split in Cleveland and Cincinnati among football fans, but they're all behind Ohio State. They're not split between that and Cincinnati. Um, so does that should that concern Tennessee fans in the future that they might not be able to compete with that type of spending?
0: Okay, so there's two ways to, there's two stories to get out here with Ohio State and what they're doing. Things as they are right now, and I say that pre Big Ten TV revenue coming in. This spinning by Ohio State is like the old miss spinning with Lane Kiffin. It wouldn't be a yearly thing that they would do, Dave. It would just be this one specific year they open up the checkbook because they want to send a message to Ryan Day, put up or shut up. So it's just right. this year on that. Um, so yeah, uh the message you just put up, Tilval Hala, you OSU can't spend that much every year. That's the that's the point I would make. Tennessee would typically be able to compete with OSU outside of this year because of what OSU is going all in on this year. Here's the curveball, though. OSU may be ahead of the curve and realizing the TV revenue that's going to come in, meaning they're getting they're going to go ahead and realize, okay, we can jump the gun and start spending a lot now because we don't need this booster money. And this is what I talked about, where it was a big mistake with that SEC deal. And I think if Tennessee here's what here's where Tennessee will be able to compete with Ohio State spending wise five years down the road if they leave the SEC and join the Big Ten. Now, every, everybody's heads in Knoxville would explode if that happened, okay? But I'm telling you, you are in danger as the SEC right now of falling further behind the Big Ten than the ACC is behind you right now in okay. the SEC.
4: I firmly disagree with that. Caleb and I... Openly disagree on that. I think there are some incentives and things in there with the SEC contract that I got a little hint on. That I think when, and we're not going to know for five years who's right, Caleb, but in five years we'll look back at it and say it wasn't as bad as you think. Um, I still think it's the Big Ten deal is better, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's night and day difference now. I want to get to this for a second, not to get off topic, but Daniel says, I don't feel like we're anywhere close to the 25 million goal of the volunteer club. It's hard to believe that after three seasons, it has over $4,000 or 4,000 members. Hey guys, can I ask you a quick question? Are you spending money on the volunteer club? Because I believe there's going to come in a day when we look back and, and guys said, you know, great, People that make up the state of Tennessee and make up Tennessee's fan base that are making are making $60,000 are giving, what, a couple of hundred dollars a month to be in this volunteer club? And I'm not knocking any fundraising. But in retrospect, guys, you're talking about a very small percentage of your hard-earned cash that is going to NIL money. They're depending not on you. That's a money-making venture. And this might get me in trouble. But to send your hard-earned cash, I mean, goodness gracious, give it to Zach Turner, who I believe is still in the link down below. His, wife's, link, going yeah. Through, yeah, his wife's going through cancer. For I mean, listen, Walmart's going to spend millions. I'm just picking Walmart. Corporations are going to spend millions. Your little bit that could be a car payment is not going to make a big difference. I'm sorry. Do not spend your hard-earned money doing that. I mean, I just, it befuddles the mind. Plus you're giving it to some people that you're not a hundred percent sure what percentage they're taking. And I ask around a lot and I've been told anywhere from 10 to 90%. I'm not ripping anyone and I don't know, but I would want a lot more transparency before I stroke a check for four or $500 a month. And my wife comes to me and says, why, what's this uh, volunteer club thing? I want a lot more transparency. So I'm curious. I'm going to ask you guys. You're hardcore fans on the message board. So do you send money to collectives to get players? Do you think it helps? Caleb, I'm sorry, but it doesn't help. No, it's, it's a scam
0: to subsidize the boosters who would spend the money anyway. It's like, by the way, it's like when you go to the store. You ever go to the store, and I'm, and 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 the grocery store says, "Would you like to donate a dollar to Child Hunger, guys?" They're donating that dollar anyway. They just want it to come from you so they can write it off on their taxes as a charity. That's what they're doing. Okay, they're gonna send that money anyway to the Child Hunger thing of whatever they're donating. It's it, it's like, for instance, when. And we all see it when the government tells us we got to tax you more to pay for this. And then you go and it, it, it affects you, but then you go and you look and you're like, wait a minute, but Amazon didn't pay any taxes last year. When you have made more money, just making them pay their taxes rather than like taxing my hard earned cash that I, that actually affects me. I would <laughs> rather so- you wait
4: outside the stadium with $500 in hand and hand it to Cooper Mays and Cooper Mays has to do something for it, but he could retweet uh, you saying, Hey, I met, Cooper Mays, and then if he retweeted it, that's considered a service, so you can pay him $500 for that. Stand outside neyland Stadium long enough, and the players will come out and just hand them a bunch of cash. Daniel says membership starts at five bucks. I pay $25 a month. I'm not rich, the $25 a month is well worth you get in the tailgates in return. That's okay, so maybe cool. there's
0: a return. If okay, there's a return, yeah.
4: that's fine. That's totally cool. If you're if you're getting something out of it, I get that, Daniel. And I didn't mean to single you out or or be in in, in a finger. But make sure you're getting something ball. out of it. Yes, yes. So, listen. If you want to pay twenty five dollars a month and you get in a, an exclusive um, an exclusive club, that's fine. Go for it. But make sure you get something out of it, Daniel. I know it's. Uh, I know the narrative is 10% goes to operational cost and 90% to the players. But I got to be real honest with you. I, I don't know that I believe that number and I'm not calling it.
0: I have covered nonprofit charities as a local journalist. And I can tell you that way more goes to operational costs than they tell you goes to operational costs um, yes. typically with charities. Um,
4: it's uh but I, but, uh, but, but, Long
0: story short, in all of this, and, I, and Travis
4: is making fun of me. Not to interrupt you, Caleb. Travis is making fun of me. You want to stand outside the stadium and give dudes cash? Well, if you want a hundred percent know that it's going to them, yeah, and have them. Well, and also it.
0: think about this. Now, again, Danny White's doing a fundraising goal. Now, Danny White has actually shown his interest in helping to grow UT beyond what previous athletic directors were doing. But Tennessee had a decade of dysfunction, as we've all well know. And wouldn't, wouldn't they have a David, this was like 2017. Wouldn't it be a lot of nerve for them to ask for this money from fans in 2017 when they hadn't delivered? Like, wouldn't the fans have a right to say, Hey, how about you actually show us that you can be semi-competent in what you're doing before we sit there and open up the checkbook for you? Because Tennessee had a massive decade of dysfunction and, and, you know, honestly, this is going to hurt Alabama because they were going to try to raise from fans too because the boosters aren't willing to give the way the boosters should give. And I keep saying this, Alabama fans, y'all need to step up and demand that the boosters cobble up money because you're not going to get commitments just because people like Alabama. That's not going to happen.
4: Colton says, um, I'd rather give it to Dave for a great show. Now, if I could only remember to like his videos, hit the like button. Colton, hit it now. Everybody hit it now, right now, so we can bring more people in. We, we have an announcement coming here, maybe by the end of the week, um, where I don't believe in asking you for money. I know that a lot of YouTubers do that. I would rather you give it to Zach Turner, who's below, his wife's battling cancer, or I would rather you purchase a book where you get something out of it, and I was just so like I was preaching before, it would be hypocritical to say donate money to me. I, I don't, I don't want that. Give it to Zach and and please buy a book. I will ask you that because I order too many and I've got extra books and I'll throw in a T-shirt for anybody that orders a book today. Um, I also think that Travis brings up a a good point. It it makes finally subscribe. Thank you. I'm always at work and lazy. All right, so Travis says it makes people feel involved now. I think that's cool. And as long as it's not a bunch of money, no harm, no foul. Agreed. And I've learned something. You get something back, you get to go in that volunteer club. So that's all well and good. But we do have something coming up that we're excited about where we're going to be able to give out weekly prizes. And we're going to start a bit of a club as well. But we're not going to call it a club because a club sounds goofy. It sounds like something you would do when you were eight years old. So we're going to call it something else. But you'll have the opportunity to win great prizes. So thank you for subscribing, Colton. Finally, I've seen you on here. And, uh, man. And, Derek, by the way, you're not pulling me into a political conversation. I said 25 years ago when I got in this business, you'll know what I think about sports, but you'll never know what I think about. Wow, that's good. You'll never know what I think about uh, politics. The Hooker Club, I'm in. All right. That's what we'll do. But you're going to have an opportunity to win big time stuff. So we're working on that. Uh, the the missus, the, uh, the, the other hooker in the house, what uh, is going, is going uh, to put that together? But we're talking about uh, some pretty significant prizes and frequent prizes, because by golly, if the state of Tennessee can run a lottery, why can't I, Caleb?
0: No, that's that's fair. That's a good point.
4: <laughs> yeah, go. All right, it's, so we're gonna be giving away lots of stuff. Yes, we're gonna I run like... a
0: brothel too. Let's. We're gonna run a brothel too. Pretty soon,
4: oh, guys. Yeah. It's, risky. <laughs> it's risky business. We're gonna have, um, yeah, we're gonna have that classic song playing, uh, old time rock and roll. What was the name of that song? Oh, was it Bob Seger? Harold Group Security Solutions, leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques, making your children safe for one school at a time. HaroldGRP.com. We've seen the tragedies around schools and your workplace. Ask your work administrator or the school administrator to reach out to HaroldGRP.com. Harold Group Security Solutions. Not just the security guards. A real, real, highly trained individual's That will protect your children or protect you. All right. So do you really have to tamper to take away a player from Alabama? Apparently so, because a program has done that. I thought you just called them and they said, I'm ready to get that H E double hockey sticks out of here. I thought it was that simple, but somebody is tampering with Alabama players during the season. How bleeping livid would you be if you're Josh Heupel and people are calling your players to to say, come play for us. Two minutes, Caleb Calhoun, Dave Hooker, unbelievable next.
0: Got cataracts? We can
2: fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Doctors Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com.
4: Hi, I'm Rick Terry, and we at Rick Terry Jewelry Designs pride ourselves in the highest quality craftsmanship from a family-owned business here in Knoxville for over 35 years. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we also take pride in being an affordable option for all your game day accessories, especially those fire opals. At Rick Terry Jewelry Designs, we want to be your jeweler every day and especially on game day. Go Vols!
2: Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. We believe every day is a good day to be thirsty. With free samples on draft and lots of flavors to choose from, Tennessee Cider Company prepares a hard cider that's easy to enjoy. Some say it's the signature cider of the South. Others say it's the cure to your craving. They all say you'll savor every sip. The area of Gatlinburg has so much to offer and so does Tennessee Cider Company. Add us to your list for shopping and fun experiences. You'll be glad you made the trip. Find our cidery in the Mountain Mall on the Gatlinburg Parkway. Sip smart. Sip the good stuff. Sip Tennessee Cider Company. Thirsty yet? Doors open at 10 a.m.
1: The Dave Hooker Show, represented by Banks and Jones, Tennessee's trial attorneys. Play to win. BanksJones.com.
2: Um, who's this guy? Hello, Wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Who? A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker.
4: Should we call our group The Brothel? Travis says, Dave, do you have a doormat that says, welcome to the brothel? You should. We're going to be giving all kinds of stuff away very soon as part of an exclusive group you get to be a part of that's very inexpensive, and we're excited to do that here into the future. Should we call it the brothel? I mean. I kind of like it. Uh, kinda, Travis kinda. says, Dave, do you have a doormat that says, welcome to the brothel? You should. Hell yeah, I will. Excuse me. That's happening. I, uh, I brought this up when I first but, was on the show. Honey, can we go ahead and... Yeah, we're going to go <laughs> ahead and get the doormat, the brothel made up.
0: I brought this up when I was first on the show, but we have way more listeners now than then, so many people may not know this. But um, for those who don't know, Dave, we can just go ahead and say, you are descended from Joseph Hooker, right? The Union General. Yes. And... Joseph Hooker is where the name is, where the term Hooker came from.
4: Hooker's girls is what they were called. And he would take women, if I may, I would, they would take, ah. he would take women with him on battalion battles and, um, uh, everything went great and morale was fantastic. And then oops, syphilis.
0: That's By the way, true story. Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, used tax money to pay for those girls. Um, I love Lincoln. I think he was an awesome president. But like, yeah, no, he 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 used he used hard-earned tax dollars of American citizens to about to provide Joseph Hooker with those with those lovely ladies to help the troops at the
4: time. Daniel says but, I keep hearing the "Welcome to the Jungle" song in my head. <laughs> if it wasn't for YouTube copyright stuff, that would be it. You're right, Travis. That dad blame syphilis will do it every time. Every time. Every time. Right. Man. Is it's a okay? Are we making it official? The new the new club that's going to give away stuff on a weekly and grand prizes on a monthly basis is called the Brothel. Is that what we're doing here? Join the Brothel, or do we need to think about this, Caleb?
0: Oh, Colton Ditmore, don't call it that unless you want Hugh Freeze joining. Do Hugh Freeze will never <laughs> join? He's way too scared of me. He's way too scared of me. <laughs>
2: That's right. Also, no,
0: because our brothels, uh, everybody is of age. Youch! Yeah. Alright. Yeah, I went there. Hugh Freeze can go to one that Carl Malone goes to.
4: You t- Yuck! Uh, you two can join the brothel <laughs> soon. My son actually sub. We were playing uh, the NBA 2K last night. My son subs Carl uh, Malone out because he's such a disgusting uh, human being. Well, By the way, you know, Carl Malone,
0: Malone- Carl Malone in his career, I think averaged about at his peak was averaging about 20 points and 13 rebounds. So, guys, Google Carl Malone 20 and 13.
4: Yeah. Okay, let's get to <laughs> let's let's change gears. We gotten a little silly here. Um, but I will tell you this that when it comes to uh Carl Malone, I remember interviewing him and he <laughs> said that I'm close to landing the grand slam of sheep. And I said, what? I didn't know about the kid stuff. And I was like, what does that mean? He goes, no, it's not what you think. And I said, well, I wasn't thinking you were sleeping with the sheep. But apparently you go to four different continents and there's a grand slam of sheep. If you want to look that up, we can do that. But instead, let's talk about tampering uh, with the uh, SEC in Alabama. Brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. They want to be your jeweler. Looking for affordable game day jewelry? Fire Opals, the Tennessee tradition. Rick Terry, jewelry.com. Iowa, potentially tampering with Alabama offensive lineman Caden Proctor. This to me is pretty dastardly. Let's pull it up right now. Mr. Proctor, talk to us, sir. So, Caden Proctor committed to Iowa last
0: week, and this was him at the Iowa basketball game over the weekend in an interview talking about his commitment. So, I'm just going to play what he said.
2: No, no bridges were burnt, you know what I'm saying, so that that's why it was so easy for me to pick them when I did enter the transfer portal, because we still have those relationships, and um, even even after I was doing bad in the SEC, you know, and, you know, struggling, they hit me up and said, um, you know, we're proud of you, you're going to get through this, and um, that's what that's what ultimately helped me with my decision,
0: because, you know, they still, they still believed in me. It feels good, you know what I'm saying, like. That's the point that matters. He basically said when he was struggling in the SEC, Iowa hit him up while he was struggling, which means that they hit him up while he was playing at Alabama, which by every definition is sampering.
4: Yes, this needs to be the new. You Remember the uh, paying players was the one thing that you couldn't do. It was the one NCAA Cardinal sin. This needs to be the new Cardinal sin of contacting players. Now, I don't know how you police it in the NCAA can't police anything. But if you don't think that schools reached out to uh, a certain guy that we've talked about a lot, his name's Nico. If you don't think schools reached out to him last year, you're crazy. I mean, I would have. Because the NCAA has no teeth. If I'm a coach that has all that riding on me, I won't say I would have because I like to think of my myself as a moral person i think 90 percent of the people would
3: I mean, um yeah
4: so i I, I, w-
0: I would in the sense of i don't I, outside of like steroids or putting things in your body i'm not against breaking the rules that there's no punishments for it quite honestly i mean if the NCAA can't how else are you going to compete look at jim harbaugh homeboy just won a national championship after getting suspended twice in a season
4: yeah uh, i um I think tampering is going to be a real issue with that sort of cash. I think where it's particularly distasteful is, let's say, lower level schools that can't match it, um, can't match that type of money. Like Tulane, you know, Tennessee got uh, a player from Tulane that may have an impact this season. I don't know that they reached out during the football season, but. Nothing would surprise me, especially with the calendar you've put on these coaches. It's absurd. So you're supposed to keep your guys, you're supposed to go get other guys, and at the same time, you're supposed to get ready for a bowl game. How in the world can you do that? Okay, Not wait. to mention, next year,
0: you're going to have to be getting ready for playoff games weekly because you'll have, if you're in the 12 team playoff, there's four games you might be getting ready for at different times and you're telling me you have to get ready for four different playoff games while at the same time dealing with NIL and the transfer portal. Oh, and by the way, the early signing period is around that time too, just so y'all know. So, it's this is you're right. It's it's crazy. Of course you're going to tamper. You're going to try to get these guys in the season because you won't have time in the transfer portal when it opens, particularly because like you said, Look, I'm actually going to break with you. I don't think this should really be a a, a, a sin. I, I Honestly, I don't think it's a big deal. Coaches are all the time in conversation with other teams when they're coaching at a school. All the, they, they do that all the time. How many times have coaches been hired away when you know they were in conversation before they got hired away? Jim Harbaugh right now is in conversation with NFL teams, and he has been the whole time he was coaching at Michigan. I mean, this is a regular par for the course thing. On a just funny level, though, Iowa shows how outdated they are. Of all the things they were going to risk them their trouble with, they were going to tamper. They were going to do it for an elite offensive lineman. Offensive line is not Iowa's weakness. They're lack of skill players are, but they're like, nope, we got to get better on that offensive line. The one thing we're good at.
4: <laughs> uh, Kirk, Kirk, for instance, is that that type of coach. That doesn't surprise me. He he would rather have 10 uh, competent offensive linemen than nine and one elite uh, skilled position players that doesn't surprise me at all based off coaches i've talked to about friends i'm not saying it's right it's not stupid but, but me so you're saying it's cool so you're saying you would be totally cool with somebody reaching out to nico and it's so easy to do it's so easy because you could reach out to the high school coach you could reach out to somebody else listen Nico, if he wasn't the mature young man, and I knew even though I said from the get that Joe Milton was not the best answer for the majority of this season, and I will stand by that. And Tennessee would have won more games had they played Nico more and at certain times. I don't want to get okay. belabored, I don't want to get belabored by that, but I believe that firmly. So if Nico believed that and everybody else on the team believed that, then you've got to wonder. Why didn't Nico listen or did he? My, my information tells me he never would have listened to that because he's a mature young man and way beyond his years. I, I Again, guys, I can't tell you what a lock I think Nico is. And I, I'll tell you the truth. Sometimes you don't like to hear it. So I don't think he would have listened, but would Carson Beck have listened instead of sitting behind Stetson Bennett? Maybe. The only regulation no, there th- should be on that. You mm-hmm. know he thinks he's way more talented than Stetson. Sorry, kid.
0: No, he does, but he was probably, like, let's be honest. Nico was probably promised already by Heupel. Like, I guarantee, Dave, you know this conversation happened in August, and you can tell him. You you don't know. You don't have a source, but how, bet, how much would you bet this conversation happened? Josh Hypel talked to Nico in August and said, okay, you may not start this year, but you are 100% the starter going into 2024, and there won't even be a competition. The job is yours.
4: I think they probably had that conversation in recruiting.
0: I think so, too. I think so, too. And I think Josh Heigl has been very clear from the start. The job is Nico. The job is Nico's after 2023. He's all but said it to Tennessee fans publicly, hasn't he? I mean, he can't. But in reality, do you think Jake Merklinger is going to split first team reps with Nico in the spring? I do not. Exactly. Nico is going to get all the reps. It's very clear who the starter is. Okay. There's not even a debate on this. And so, for Nico, would be like, what good is it for me to transfer when I'm already going to be the starter here, and I'm in a better system with Josh Heupel? I don't really mind the tampering thing. Um, Maybe there should
4: be an open tampering period, like in the middle of the season. You've got an off week where you can contact other teams' players. I'm only half joking.
0: I mean that's, that's not, not a crazy idea.
4: Not that's the not most a clean thing.
0: But then you're but then you're really screwed depending on when your off week is. <laughs>
4: I mean that's right. So I don't have what, time to tamper this week because Alabama's on the schedule. What am I going to do? I mean you already have to recruit in the season.
0: Unfortunately, you've always had to do that, right? I mean even during even during Fulmer's era, didn't they have to do a lot of recruiting while the season was going on? A lot of times.
4: Oh yeah, Philip Fulmer would leave the field at times during the Vanderbilt and Kentucky practices to go make phone calls. Um, and I thought it was smart at the time, and I still think it's smart. Now there were a couple of times that the game got a little bit close, but I don't think that was because of Philip Fulmer's focus on recruiting. I think that was because uh the players didn't was, want to play the game. Yeah, it's cold. <laughs>
0: I, I mean, we didn't want to know. be there
4: as media members, and um, the press box is usually heated. Although one time at the University of Kentucky, this is how pathetic of a program that used to be, some would argue still is, the entire glass in front of me, it was so cold outside and with the heat blowing on it, it, it the, the glass in the press box exploded right in front of me. Glass. Oh my gosh. I had a move. That's
0: dangerous. Yes, it was
4: dangerous. And I had just gotten up to go feed my fat face or I would have been covered in glass.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. So
4: that's your funny. Wildcats, Kentucky fans. Well, and
0: also, as a reporter, you're probably, let's be honest, the last two weeks of November outside of Tennessee, those are some of the most exciting games in all of college football. That's rivalry week, Georgia, Auburn, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, Auburn, you know what I mean? And you're having to sit there and cover Tennessee, Vanderbilt. I mean,
4: Thank you. I've never said that publicly because it (laughs) makes me sound like a whiny bee.
3: Necessary were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Sports treasures
4: carrying over five million sports treasures, and I'm going to tell you more because I want to talk some Todd Helton, who thinks that is incredible that he got into baseball Hall of Fame. Kudos to Todd Helton. Uh, I'm so incredibly happy for him. You can talk about all you want to the thin air and Colorado, but his. His extended, fantastic career is one that should be in the Hall of Fame. I believe that firmly. I don't think, though, he would have made it had it not been for the huge number and group of guys that were in the steroid era that might have bumped him out and kept him from getting in. So I'm glad he gets in, a guy that was right for the game. I told my story earlier about when he was drafted in 92 to the Padres and we're a senior trip. And I was right outside uh, the the door when he got uh, drafted. Uh, But I could tell you more stories. Uh, I certainly miss his late father who I used to uh, work out with and see on a regular basis at the gym. Uh, Just fantastic dude. But I will tell you one thing that gets, I believe, lost in Todd Helton when we talk about baseball players is I, I I did play-by-play for Central High School when Zach Helton um, was a too-small quarterback for college but a great high school player. He was an incredible athlete. His dad could lay down and on the bench and push 225 for reps, and I'd only see him do one or two working sets every couple of weeks. There is a difference between just God-given natural talent, and I think sometimes we overlook – how special Todd Helton was to be able to take competent snaps in the SEC and then be one of the best baseball players of his generation. You can find, I'm sure, memorabilia for Todd at Sports Treasures, carrying over 5 million Sports Treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia daily updates. You can go to uh, Facebook and follow them on Sports Treasures TN. That's Sports Treasures TN. What do you think of Todd Helton? I've never asked you before.
0: Let's address the whole thin air comment because everybody says that him playing in Colorado. You want to know what Todd Helton's OPS was away from home for his career?
4: It was actually better, wasn't it?
0: No, 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 it wasn't. It was still better at home, but like still, okay. his OPS away from Terrible. home was, was no, it was good. It was 8.55. His OPS away from home was 8.55. For context, Ken Griffey Jr., who everybody agrees should be in the Hall of Fame, was only at 860 for OPS for his career. Now, that should tell you that Todd Helton was legitimately good, even if the thin air fueled him. OPS is the most important stat for offense. You don't even need any other stat in baseball anymore. That's all you need is OPS. And Todd Helton was parallel with King Griffey Jr., the most marketable baseball player of the 1990s and of his era. So he absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. I think the thing that sticks out about Todd Helton to me is that obviously he wanted to go focus. I think Todd Helton, he committed and he was teammates with Heath Schuler and then Peyton Manning. I think Todd Helton realized the reason I had read stories. The reason he wanted to go concentrate on baseball was because he kind of realized he wasn't on Heath Shuler's level. And that kind of made him realize that he wasn't going to be an NFL quarterback, but he still, for those who don't know this, he still stayed on the 94 team because the coaches wanted him to help bring Peyton Manning along. It wasn't for, that's why he did it just to help out with the young quarterbacks on the roster that were the future of the team. And then he gets thrust into being the starting quarterback, which he didn't plan to do. And you know, he look, he actually got a pretty impressive win. Go back and watch that game at Athens against Georgia. Georgia was actually probably the better team that year. I think James Stewart just absolutely torched Georgia in the second game of the 94 season, almost brought him back to beat UCLA, I think Todd Helton did that because he loved Tennessee and he's a great guy. And that's the only reason he did it because he could have solely focused on baseball. And honestly, he risked his baseball career. He got hurt playing quarterback at Tennessee.
4: He's the, he's the ultimate volunteer for a couple of different reasons. Um, Because I think volunteer has to do with loyalty. You we think balls, we go think of, uh, of course, uh, protecting the Alamo and the, 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 charge, but, A part of being uh, from the Mexican army, but part of that too, right? Caleb is not leaving. I mean, you can volunteer and go. And then when things get bad, sneak out the back door, Todd Elton didn't do that. He stayed at Colorado. And I know from the days of working with his dad, working out with his dad, that was a touchy subject. Uh, Let me tell you why Uh, apex apparel group. If you own a business, Go to your apexapparel.com. It is right below or just call Tyler 865-919-3001, 865-919-3001. And whether it's mugs, shirts, whatever you need, he'll make sure your business is outfitted. Do me that favor. If you own a business, click right below your apex apparel. You'll be happy that you did. So with uh, Todd Helton and working out with his dad, there was a a feeling amongst the family, and this is some uh, some inside insight that you, you just won't get anywhere else, but there was a feeling amongst the family that it's time when he signed that big deal with the Rockies that he should go to a, a team like the Yankees, that he wouldn't make the Hall of Fame, and that was specifically discussed, if he stayed in Colorado. Unfair or not, they thought that would always be used against him. So what did he do? He stayed with Colorado, and he was loyal to that area because he loved those fans. He's got like a 400-acre ranch out there. I say good for him, and I wanted him to be a Yankee. I would have probably bought the dad Blame jersey. But, I mean, good for him for not taking the easy way out. Same thing at Tennessee. He wanted to play football for Tennessee, and he was drafted in the second round of the Padres by the Padres before that happened. Who does that? Who goes to their home school when there's that type of money at stake and no NIL dollars and leads Tennessee to one of the most special times in their college baseball history? Who does those sorts of things? I think he's incredibly underrated as one of the most beloved balls of all time. And by the way, there's no question that Del Murphy belongs in the Hall of Fame as well. But let's talk Todd. Did you know all that about Todd? Some of that surprised you? A little bit. I did not know that he looked at, into going to the Yankees.
0: That's a really impressive story. I had no idea about that. Um, yeah, that's, it, it, you know, you kind of really wish you could have, you know, I, I know Colorado made the World Series in 07. I actually thought they had a better team than Boston that year. The problem was, and Dave, how many times have you seen this? And this is the problem with baseball in the postseason. The Rockies swept their way to the World Series and the Red Sox won, won a bunch of seven-game series to get there. So by the time the Red Sox had gotten there, they had been playing fresh, and the Rockies had been off for like a week. And you know in baseball, it's so much more about being in rhythm. That's why nowadays in baseball, the first-round bye is so stupid, which they do for the postseason now, because it, it, it hurts the team that gets the first-round bye. You need to be in rhythm. And so I think, that, I think that's an incredible story about Todd Helton. And by the way, guys, I put this up on Twitter, and I want to address this. Can I
4: Tennessee ask you this real quick, Caleb? Sure. It, go, go ahead. what you put on Twitter? Tell, tell, tell me that.
0: Tennessee hasn't had an in-state starting quarterback since Todd Helton in 1994. He gets inducted to the Hall of Fame the day after George McIntyre commits, who will be in probably 2026 the first in-state starting quarterback for Tennessee since Todd Helton.
4: Kind of run off Merklinger. But anyway, um, <laughs> if he's <yeah>. – <laughs> If he's, a, I mean, just, just which, just, by the way, he,
0: well, funny enough, you say that because all North, over Merklinger, but that's North Carolina fun. has actually been low key the best state for quarterbacks of Tennessee. Hey, uh, Heath, Heath Schuler, Jonathan Crompton, and Hendon yeah. Hooker, all from North Carolina.
4: Yeah. And, oh, but don't write off Merklinger yet. Um I he,
0: wrote off Taven Jackson last year, so I can do it with Merklinger.
4: Okay, if he's a Red Sox or a Yankee with the same numbers. He's already in the Hall of Fame like as soon as he's eligible, right? Like 5 years. Yes. Ago.
0: Yes, as a matter of fact, Red Sox and Yankees Derek Jeter is a Hall of Famer, but Derek Jeter getting t- getting mentioned in the same breath as like the most elite names of baseball the last 30 years is absolutely laughable. Because That's Derek Jeter, it? when was Derek Jeter ever the best player in baseball? Never. He was never the best player on his own team. Okay? It's I'm not having this discussion. He's with not on Griffey's level. I mean, he was having, not on Barry Bonds's level. Having, he was not using, on Frank Thomas's level. Like, he was not on Jim Tomey's level. He was he not was on Jimmy Jones's level.
4: You're uh, you're you're not you're not you're not factoring in leadership. Um, oh my was, gosh! I, hall okay. of Fame is about production, not leadership. He was he's definitely a Hall of Famer, though. We're
0: not a that. He, no, I agree. He's I'm, a Hall of Famer. How long has it
4: been since we heard the voice? I was enjoying that time. How, uh, but he's definitely so a Hall he, of Famer.
0: Todd Helton was a better player than Derek Cheater. Clearly, uh, Todd Helton was a Todd Helton was a better player than Derek Cheater.
4: Oh, him and Wilt, they do have a lot in common with women. Thank you, Derek. Um, yeah, but uh, Wilt actually
0: way. was the best player in the NBA year in and year out when he
4: played. Yeah, but he wasn't the best player on the streets. That's Derek. It's not quantity, it's quality. I'll leave you with that. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, Off the Hook Sports. Ladies, love, Jeter, have a fantastic day, evening, night, whenever you're listening, Off the Hook Sports. 10 a.m. weekdays, Monday through Friday with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker.